Thanks for checking out the Vox Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us, and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about Vox Church by visiting us online at voxchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Vox. You look good today. Welcome to Vox Church. If you're new, my name is Justin. We're streaming right now to all of our locations all across Connecticut and Massachusetts, New Haven. Can we put our hands together and say hello to our whole church family? God bless you. Welcome to Vox Church. So honored and excited that you are here. Today is Baptism Sunday. And so things get wild. Oh, I'm telling you, it is so much fun. So much fun. If you have a Bible, you can make your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're new to the Bible, so excited to read just a short passage of scripture written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And uh, just an encouraging passage to me, I believe relevant to all of our lives, especially as we consider this act of baptism. The scripture says this, starting in verse 18. It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the, what's the next word? It is the power of God. It is the power of God for it's written. And then the apostle quotes Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, here's what we'll focus. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Can somebody say amen to that word today? Yeah, what a powerful truth. What a powerful truth. If you want to jot some notes down, I want to talk to you just a couple minutes before we dive into baptisms. That was my preacher joke. Anyways, on the topic, everything makes sense. Go and turn the person next to you and tell them with a whole lot of conviction, everything makes sense. Everything makes sense makes sense. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Middletown and for Bridgeport, for all of our locations as we gather right now to honor the name of Jesus. Lord, as we engage in this spiritual act of baptism, I pray that you would meet us. I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would mark each individual's life with a new outpouring of power and grace, peace and joy. God, that today the life of Christ would manifest in the natural realm. We honor you today in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, amen, amen. I can remember in my own life when it started to unravel, when the things that I thought I knew for sure became more and more obvious that I didn't exactly know them for sure. You know, like you spend a lot of time in the early years of your life gathering knowledge and then you spend the rest of your life after you've gathered some knowledge learning how what you learned isn't exactly the whole picture, you know? So when you're a kid, you learn that in 1492, yeah, he sailed the ocean blue, he discovered America. And then as you get older, you're like, well, sort of, right? 
Like he kind of sort of discovered America. Or, you know, you hear George Washington set free the people of America from tyranny and became our, our first president, a great leader. And that's true. He did do all that. He also had some slaves back at Mount Vernon and they weren't free, right? So there's like a little bit more to the story than what we kind of learn as a kid. And this happens in almost every area of life. As you get older, you learn that there's a bit more than meets the eye. You know, before I got married, I was convinced that I understood women. Before I had kids, I was a great parent in my own mind, you know? Before I had kids, I was patient. I was just, I mean, I was a really great parent. And then I had kids and it was like, oh, this is not quite what I expected. Before I was a pastor, I had so many opinions and I was confident in my understanding of how a church should be pastored. And then I became one and things shifted. It seems like in almost every area of life, you know, there are layers of understanding that you can't really see until you dive in. You know, Einstein said that the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. The more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. And nowhere is this more true than in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we are told that if you want to understand the kingdom, if you want to understand the things of God, you must embrace a level of foolishness a level of foolishness. The scripture says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, that the wisdom or the weakness of God, excuse me, is stronger than the greatest strength of men. And so nobody likes looking foolish, right? None of us here like looking foolish. In fact, I would suggest to you today that you go to great degrees to try to avoid looking foolish in life. And that's just natural. All of us, you know, if we have to, will bluff our way through a situation rather than admit that we look foolish. And so the last time you were at the mechanic and he said, oh, you know, you got the, uh, this, this is out of joint and this has got to be changed and the, the flux capacitor needs to be, and you're just sitting there going, oh yeah, oh yeah, the flux, yeah, I, I thought that that might be going, you know, and like you have no idea. And yet you just, or you're with your friends around the water cooler at work and they're talking about this and that and you're saying, oh yeah, yeah. And you're acting as if you know when you don't, because you don't want to look foolish. I'm sure that if we looked at your life over the last month, you've done this. I've done this. I know just uh, last week I was in London at a, uh, a conference, a church, <clears throat> excuse me, conference with our worship director, Joey Silva, and we were there. I decided that it'd be a good idea in London to go get a haircut. And so I went to this barber shop that was recommended to me and I get there and uh, you know, the guy starts asking me this and that and what kind of haircut do I want? And I sit down in his chair and you know, he's doing this and he told me how much it was, but it was in pounds, you know? And so I didn't really convert it over. And then he asked me while I'm in the chair, he says, do you want me to get rid of the hairs on your ear? And I was like, there are no hairs on my ear, brother. And I was like, yeah, yeah, why don't you get rid of those hairs? And so he took this like flaming ball of fire and he like waved it over my ears. And, and I was like, wow, that was kind of cool. And he's like, do you want me to fix your eyebrows? And I was like, what's wrong with my eyebrows? And he was like, yeah, why don't you fix? And so he did that. And then they said, well, do you want to tip him? And I said, yeah, I want to tip him. And so then I get over to the register, you know, and he did all these things and they, they rang me out and I pushed the button that says convert to U.S. dollars. $74 and 51 cents. I was like, that is the most expensive haircut I have ever gotten in my life. And you know what I did? Do you think I protest? Do you think I said, hey, hold on a second, do that? No, I was just like, all right, man, that's a great deal. Great, yeah, just smile. I don't wanna look like an idiot right now. Yeah, it's just, I'm just gonna pay for it, you know? And so, yeah, oh, great job. Oh yeah, I'm happy with everything. Thank you so much. And I walked out of there. I paid $25 for the haircut. I paid $49.51 into the ego fund. You know what I'm saying? into the ego fund because I just didn't want to look stupid. And I'm sure that you've done this many times in your life where you just don't want to look foolish. Nobody likes to look foolish. But if you read the teachings of Jesus and you study the life of Jesus, what you will find is that to follow him 
You must engage in a degree of foolishness. You must. I mean, it was Jesus who spat in the ground, made mud out of the dirt, rubbed it in a man's eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I mean, that's weird, right? Another time his disciples caught him talking to a tree. He was talking to a tree. Then on the last day that he was with them, he brought them into an upper room and he brought bread. He said, hey, this is my body. And he brought wine. He said, this is my blood. I mean, this is weird, right? It's like, are we cannibals? What's happening right now? It seems foolish. In order to follow Jesus, there is something counterintuitive about the gospel that you must engage in a degree of humble foolishness. And in fact, you can't fully understand what God is doing or how God will work until you humble yourself and engage in a degree of foolishness. You know, if I'm honest, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a teenager, I hardly understood the good news of God's grace. But I raised my hand. I went forward at a church. I prayed a prayer to receive Christ. And then over years and years, God unraveled for me the truth of salvation. But I didn't really get it when I first did it. It was an act of faith. And then that act of faith brought the understanding. You see that? In my own life, when it comes to money, for so long, I was scared to trust God with my resources. And then I began to tithe. I began to give first in my finances. And what I discovered is I learned God as a provider after I took an act of faith to trust him for provision. And so it was my step of faith that then revealed the understanding of God as provider. It's the same with love, that you'll never really know the depth of what it means to love until you love someone when you don't feel it. And when you love someone, that's a word for somebody, by the way, when you love someone, when you don't feel it, you can now discover a deeper love than you would have ever known if you just went by your feelings. In the book of Hebrews, it says, by faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. I love that. In other words, what it's trying to get us to understand is that there are many things in the kingdom that you'll never understand until you take a step of faith, until you act. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. So an act of faith unlocks greater understanding. An act of faith unlocks greater understanding. That's what we're here to do this morning. That as we participate in this miracle called baptism, this is an act of faith. Now, what we believe about baptism is we believe that it is a symbol and that we are saying through this physical act that I have placed my faith in Christ, that I believe that my old life has passed away because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I receive, as I come out of the water, the victory and the joy of new life by faith in Christ. And so as a physical act, that might feel kind of foolish. We step into faith. And as we act in faith, God wants to unlock greater understanding in our hearts and in our lives. Look at with me again, verse 25. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. I love that. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Nobody likes to feel weak, right? Nobody likes to feel weak, especially men. We don't like the idea of looking weak or feeling weak, but we all have weaknesses. The weakness of God is stronger than men. I know that there are places in your life where you will be weaker than other places, moments in your life where your weakness is exposed and you're going to have to deal with it, right? I know for me in the Kendrick household, my family, uh, one of my weakest places is on a long road trip with my family. Just recently, my wife and I drove to Florida about 22 hours, you know, and we have a tension whenever we drive. I don't know if you can identify with this, any married couples in the room, but when, when uh, she drives, I micromanage every second of the, of the drive. So she's driving, I'm like, there's a left up here. She's like, I know, I know. And then I'm like, oh, careful, there's a police officer upstairs. Oh, uh, uh, you got to see that guy in front, he's slowing down. I mean, I'm just talking. She's like, ah, leave me alone, you know. When I drive, I expect her to be a very active and attuned navigator. 
she doesn't really want to do that. And so for Chrissy and I, a great tension, a great weakness is those moments in the car on a long drive. And so just recently on our trip to Florida, it's about 22 hours and we chose the lesser of the two evils. And so uh, she drove one hour and I drove 21 hours. Try to avoid a little bit of the tension. But the truth is, and don't tell her, don't admit this you know, publicly, but um, just between you and I, the truth is that I just like my hand on the steering wheel. I just like to feel like I'm in control. I don't know if anybody else is is honest enough to admit that. You know, if we're watching TV, I like the remote. You know, I hold on to the remote. You know what I'm saying? Like, does any, any other remote holders in the house today? Like, listen, I'm gonna have the remote. Like, you know, we could be with 20 people. I'm like, yo, let me get, let me get that remote. Come here, bring it over there. You know, my kid has it. I'm like, no, 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 this way. Send it over here. Like, why? I don't know. I just want it. That's why I just have to hold it. I just like to hold it. See, we like to feel like we're in control. All of us do. And it manifests in different ways. And that's why we try to shield ourselves from this idea of weakness. And you can get some things done when you're in control, you know? Maybe by your own sense of control, you built a business. Or maybe by your own sense of control, you lost weight. Or maybe by your own power and control, you know, you got things in order in your house. You can get some stuff done through your own sense of control. But what Jesus wants you to see here is that you can't get the most important thing done by your own sense of control. And the most important thing is for you to receive forgiveness of sins. The most important thing is for you to receive eternal life. The most important thing is for your heart to be changed and no matter of strength, no degree of strength can ever get you there. You cannot be good enough to receive the grace of God. You cannot be perfect enough to get yourself to heaven. The scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your sin keeps you from God. And no matter how strong you are, no matter how self-controlled you are, no matter how good you are, you will never earn your way to God. So the weakness of God. I used to think that that meant that God in his weakest point is stronger than man in his strongest point. And I think that that is a part of what they're saying there. And I think that's also true, but there's more. I think what he wants you to see is that by confronting, I'm talking to somebody, and internalizing your own weakness, you actually experience the power of God like you could have not otherwise experienced. That you have to confront and internalize, accept, I cannot save myself. I cannot earn my way to God. I cannot change my own heart. God must do that on the inside. When you come to that place of weakness, now you are a candidate for his power. For his power. Amen. Just as, uh, hey, amen, you can clap. Just this past week, I had the privilege of, of preaching at a Christian music festival in Buffalo, New York. And uh, one of the things that was fun about the time is that during the off time, in between the sessions that I was preaching, uh, me and my two older sons and our campus pastor from our Springfield location, Matt DeSisio, who we call Cheech, we had some time just to ride some rides at Six Flags. And so, you know, I'm not a huge roller coaster fan, but I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, which means I'm a huge roller coaster fan, you know? And so we went on every single roller coaster in the place, literally. I mean, we just went roller coaster, roller coaster, roller coaster. And my head is getting smacked around in all these roller coasters. And I'm walking off, you know, holding my neck like, man, these people are breaking my neck in these roller coasters. And I said, like, gosh, I think like I'm snapping my neck back and forth. And Cheech looked at me, he said, you know, on the roller coasters, it's a lot easier if you lean into the turns. It's a lot easier. What a profound statement from a man of God. It's a lot easier if you lean into the turn seat with God, just like with a roller coaster, you face a force far greater than yourself. And you can be stiff and difficult and God will take you through the turns and your neck will snap back and forth every time. Or you can loosen up 
and you can lean into the turns. And when you lean into the turns on a roller coaster, something amazing starts happening. It starts feeling like you're in more control than you are. And the force of the roller coaster becomes the force of your life. And now it feels like you're one with that roller coaster and you can enjoy the ride. See, in the same way, amen. In the same way, when you realize that God is stronger than you, when you realize that you're not in control, but that God is in control, when you realize that his plans for you are good and he might let you go through a loop-de-loop or a corkscrew, but in the end, you're gonna land safely. When you realize that he has you in his hand and those buckles aren't gonna break and those straps aren't gonna burst, when you know that he's for you and that he's with you, you can start to enjoy the ride and you can begin to experience the power of God. See, God only channels his power through a dependent vessel through a dependent vessel. And that's what baptism is all about today. That as we follow God in this act of baptism, we are expressing our dependence on him. And so Baptism Sunday, always a special, special Sunday. We are participating today in a miracle as a church family at all of our locations, participating in a great miracle. And I wanna talk to a few different people specifically. And the first person here at all of our locations right now, I wanna talk to you if you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that today is a supernaturally ordained day for you. Maybe you came here and you've known all about religion, you've performed a whole bunch of religious things in your life, but honestly, you're not living submitted to God. You're not living walking in a dynamic relationship with your creator. Friend, what you need to hear today is that you can. In fact, you were created to walk with God. You were created to know God and to fellowship with him. But sin separates you from God, and that sin keeps you from fellowship and from eternal life. You cannot earn your way back to God by being a good person. That is the false promise of broken religion. But the grace of God has been expressed to you through Jesus Christ. Jesus came as God's representative on the earth. He died a substitutionary death so that by his shedding of his blood, he could wash away your sins. And by his resurrection from the dead, he could fill you with new life. But you must place your faith in Christ, surrender to the roller coaster of grace, receive forgiveness of sins, open your heart to God and allow his life to fill you and you will live forever. It is the good news of the gospel of God's grace. And if you're here today and maybe you've known religion and you've known traditions and you've tried to be a good person and you've tried to do this and that, listen, you need to today place your faith in Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus. In just a couple minutes, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so by praying with me in just a few minutes, that's your step of faith to trust in Christ. And then right after you pray that prayer, we're gonna invite you to be baptized today. We're gonna invite you to be baptized today, all right? So it's gonna get wild in here. It's gonna get wild. But the second type of person I wanna to talk to today is you're here and you are a follower of Christ. You're a follower of Christ, but you have actually not been baptized. And so maybe you've been following Jesus for five years or for 10 years or for five minutes or for 20 years, whatever it might be in your personal life. The scripture says in Matthew 28, that Christians are to go out and make disciples, all right? And then the very first thing Christ tells the disciples to do is be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so baptism is an act of humility. It's an act of faith. It's an act of surrender. And as you trust in Christ through that act of faith, he honors and blesses and favors your life. And so it's that step of faith of surrender. Now, tragically, 
There are some of us in the room at all of our locations right now. Maybe you were baptized as a baby and mom and dad had great intentions. But what we see in the scripture is that every person who was baptized made the choice themselves to declare the faith in Christ. And so if you're here today, maybe you were baptized as a child. I want to encourage you today, be baptized now as an adult to choose by faith that you want to follow Christ, all right? That today you're going to obey him. Or maybe you're here and you've just not been baptized, but you are a follower of Jesus. It's a crazy thought, but I want to encourage you to consider it for a moment. This is the very first thing Jesus told you to do. So how can you claim to follow Jesus Christ with your whole heart if you're not willing to do the very first thing that he said to do, which was be baptized? And you might be here, you say, well, I feel foolish. Well, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, right? Well, I'll feel weak. Well, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Would you not follow God in a little foolishness? Because I believe that act of faith will unlock a greater relationship with God, a greater victory over sin, a greater power for your future, a greater favor and blessing, a greater outpouring of his Holy Spirit. God wants to move in your life. And here's a crazy idea. You weren't prepared. It's going to mess up your hair. You don't know how you're going to explain it to your aunt or your uncle or whoever might be disappointed that you didn't tell them. But why worry about what they think more than what God thinks? Today, get baptized in Jesus' name. And so here at Vox, it's kind of crazy. We do things a little bit different maybe than you did at Grandma's Church. If you're here today and you haven't been baptized, we have already purchased a t-shirt and a pair of shorts in your size, a pair of flip-flops, and everything else you will need, a towel, everything else you need to obey God and be baptized, all right? And so you're here and you're like, I didn't sign up for this. I wasn't prepared. I didn't know. Well, we knew and God knew. And he brought you here so that you could obey him today. All right. And so if you're here and you did not sign up to be baptized now, I want to talk to the person who did sign up because there are people at every one of our campuses at every one of our services that did sign up. Well done. Way to be, you know, thinking ahead and preparing ahead. We're going to prepare to baptize you in just a moment. But for those who didn't sign up, today is your day right now. And so I want you to begin to open your heart to God. Open your heart to God. If you have not obeyed God in baptism, this is your moment to obey him. Now, some have asked, can a Christian be re-baptized? You know, the scripture does not require that a Christian gets baptized, you know, 15 times. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, every single church service, I'd give my life to Jesus again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to get resaved. I got to get, re- let me get resaved again. Oh, I'm convicted. I sinned last week. Let me get resaved. I, you know, I didn't have to, somebody finally pulled me aside and said, Hey, even though you're bumping up our salvation numbers by getting resaved every single week, um, you don't have to get resaved. You know, like trust in Christ. Believe the work that he's done in you and receive it by grace. You're going to sin sometimes and God's going to be patient with you. But if you're here today and you say, well, I just want to get rebaptized, rebaptized. Well, we're not saying that. The scripture doesn't require that. The scripture also doesn't forbid a person getting baptized again. So maybe you're here and, and you were baptized as an 18-year-old kid and then you walked away from God and it's been however long, 10 years or whatever, and you say, I haven't followed Christ at all. And today I want to place my faith in Christ and I want to be baptized. I'm not going to stop you if the conviction of the Holy Spirit is working in you, okay? And so between you and God right now, you need to ask yourself, am I in a position, am I at a place where I've obeyed God in this command to be baptized, all right? And so three different types of people. One, you signed up. That's the first person. Well done. Two, you right now need to place your faith in Christ. Three, you're a follower of Christ, but you've not obeyed him in baptism, Those three different types of people, I'm going to ask you right now, right here, to make the choice to obey God and be baptized by faith in him. And here's what I believe with all my heart, that as you take this step of faith, 
And as you express dependence on God, you are positioning your heart for a blessing. Look what it says in Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 149. It says, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble. You see that? The humble with victory. Psalm 25 says, he guides the humble in what is right, teaches them his way. Proverbs 22, the reward of humility, the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Baptism is an act of humbling yourself, saying, God, I'm participating in a little foolishness. It feels foolish for me to get in this tub full of water and go under the water. And it feels strange. It feels like an act of weakness, dependence. But here's what I know about God, that humility always attracts his favor. It always attracts his favor. And so here today, the Holy Spirit is calling some of us to take a radical step of faith. At all of our locations, would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? I first want to speak to that first person that I spoke of, that you're here and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to hear that God is real, that though you may not see him with your eyes, you can know him in your spirit. And he calls you today to come home. He calls you, he pre-planned for you to be in this church service at this time so you could take this step of faith. I want to lead you in a simple prayer of surrender. A prayer where you place your faith in Christ. Not because you've deserved it, not because you've earned it. You're not making a promise to be perfect. You are trusting in Christ's sacrifice and resurrection. And so if you're here this morning and you're far from God, would you please whisper this prayer to God by faith? Christ calls you right now. Whisper it to God right now. Say, Jesus, save me. Today I place my faith in you. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. Whisper that to him right now. And right now I surrender. I give you my life. Wash away my sin. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for hearing my prayer of faith and accepting me. I receive grace now. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fox Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life-transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message, or the ministry of Vox Church, you can continue to help us reach others by giving today at voxchurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at vox.church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the Vox Church podcast.